Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, and this week I am continuing my mini Flavors of Fascism mini-series, talking about integralism. Uh, this is particularly relevant given the results of the Brazilian election uh, that is last weekend on October the 2nd, on Sunday. Integralism is a very important form of politics and political movement in Brazil, but also in the um, Romance language world in general. Originally, integralism was a form of Catholic theology, uh, and it is also the origin of a form of fascism that's the most prominent in the Portuguese-speaking world, uh, particularly in Brazil and Portugal, although also in France. Originally, its doctrinal theological origins come essentially from Pope Pius IX's decrees in 1864 and later, uh, which essentially proclaimed Catholicism as the only potential basis for all Christian civilization. Uh, they were pushed against secularity, against modernism, against liberalism, against nascent communism and socialism, etc. Right? Uh, so from a Catholic politics perspective, and this is what my dissertation was about, uh, this was part of an extreme conservative Catholic reaction to democracy, to liberalism, to Republican democracy, to representative democracy, to like the formation of the modern political world as such, you know, to secular politics at all. It was also part of a bigger 19th century push uh, against secularization of everyday life, uh, namely in France, but also th this was a global trend uh, experienced a lot of places in the world, especially places that were predominantly or even overwhelmingly Catholic, such as many places in Latin America. Uh, and these countries in the 19th century were pushing against the Catholic Church's control over education, over record-keeping, over marriage record-keeping, over uh, keeping track of births and deaths and all that stuff, right? And the secular state, that is a government not necessarily connected with the Church, or at least not legally connected with the Church, they were trying to take control of those systems. Theologically, integralism in this form is the Catholic Church maintaining its claim to be the most important institution in the world, uh, not just politically, but on a metaphysical level. So integralism of this kind, the claim is that the Church is the preeminent, most powerful, most important, most vital institution in human civilization, you know, giving no quarter to the secular world, to the modernizing world, to the liberalizing world. Uh, this form of integralism is a right-wing movement. It is also often a nationalist movement. Uh, however, it is not a necessarily racist or expansionist nationalism. It's more internally focused about, you know, returning the nation to the type of nation that it, you know, always was supposed to have been. You know, it's this, it's this kind of nationalism. Politically, separate from this theological trend, integralism inspired uh, and informed many right-wing groups uh, long before the appearance of the fascist party in Italy. For example, the sort of proto-fascist movements led by Charles Marat and Jacques Maritain in France um, had an extremely important, if complicated, relationship to this form of integralism. Now, these two political and, you know, ideological, philosophical thinkers uh, had a very complicated relationship to Catholicism, both of them. Uh, we don't need to get into that here. Uh, but the important thing is that these were idealist nationalisms uh, that believed that the country needed to be saved from the outsiders who were trying to change its nature in a materialist direction. Uh, that is usually how this form of fascism derides its opponents on the left. Now, these people in France are related to an important French proto-fascist organization 
called Action Francois, uh, which is probably the most important proto-fascist organization in world history. It is a very big and internationally important, like internationally inspiring fascist organization that would cause and compel the appearance of a lot of similar fascist organizations, uh, not just in Europe, but throughout the world, uh, especially in the Catholic parts of the Americas. So we're talking about uh, Catholic Canada, Latin America, uh, Louisiana, places like that. In Portugal, integralism played an important role in the early 20th century in that country's wrestling with its potential Republican future. Uh, in the early 20th century, Portugal was a newly founded republic, and integralism was an umbrella movement that monarchists and sort of like arch-conservative Catholics of various otherwise different ideological stripes could find themselves in, in opposition to the newly formed parliament of Portugal. Ultimately, in Portugal, integralism was a sort of like abortive movement for a real paleoconservatism that would try to return to the, you know, uh, supposedly ideal, true, organic monarchies of the past. You know, like that's how they talked about this stuff. Uh, this was eventually supplanted by the dictatorial system of Salazar's Estado Novo. However, the most important case of political integralism and the one that I'll be spending the rest of this episode on is integralism in Brazil. We are talking about Acção Integralista Brasileira, or uh, Brazilian Integralist Action. Uh, hereafter, we're going to be just calling them the Integralists. And so whenever I'm talking about Integralists for the rest of this time, we're talking about these groups of people. The Integralists were originally a political party uh, that was founded by a man named Plinio Salgado. Now, Plinio Salgado is not to be confused with the other Brazilian hyper-Catholic right-wing figure, uh, Plinio Correa de Oliveira. Uh, they share a given name, but they are not related. Uh, Plinio Salgado was a journalist and a politician before he founded uh, the Integralists and continued to be such after their foundation. Now, the Integralists were a classic 1930s fascist party. Like They were just, they were just a fascist party, although... Like many fascist parties in the 1930s that were founded outside of Europe, they would claim to not be fascist, but to, you know, be some unique Brazilian flourishing of a extremely nationalist, anti-communist, and questionably capitalist sort of hyper-nationalism that said that the nation needed to be remade by a violent crucible. You know, like, they were fascists, right? They, they just didn't want to be claimed uh, to be derivative of an Italian, of a, of a foreign political movement. And when I say that they were a classically fascist organization, I mean, like, they were just a, they were just a fascist paramilitary organization. They were founded in 1932, uh, pretty much the high point of founding big, successful fascist organizations uh, in Latin America, Europe, and North America. Uh, their uniforms were green. Uh, they had a ranked paramilitary organization within their political party. They engaged in deep street violence while also contesting you know, political elections. Uh, they engaged in street violence specifically against the left, against communists. Uh, they would later attempt to violently overthrow the government. Um, you know the drill, right? Like, these are fascists. Their symbol, the symbol of the integralists in Brazil, was uh, the Greek letter sigma. Uh, you know, the one that's used in mathematical formulas when you have to, like, do some sort of complicated calculus-type sum. Their ideology was a classically fascist one, again, uh, in that it argued that there was a sort of mass, organic, natural, true Brazil that was being destroyed 
by an outside, you know, materialist, capitalist, and also communist force. Uh, they thought that this, you know, true Brazil was imbued with particular incredible properties, precisely the same properties that all fascists always say that their nation is uniquely suited to have, right? Um, it identified its enemies as materialist, like I said, as atheist, and as Marxist. Uh, again, this is all pretty textbook fascist stuff. However, in the Brazilian case, because Brazil was still at the time a hyper-majority Catholic country, this particular opposition to what they called materialism was deeply connected to this theological legacy of integralism. And so their claim was that humanity, and Brazilian people in general, needed to return to a sort of more medieval, organic, you know, pre-modern definition of the nation and life. Uh, that was what they wanted for people. Uh, like most fascist organizations, they never got particularly far in describing exactly how that, you know, better, more organic or natural world would work. Uh, they don't really care about that. Uh, fascism, uh, as always, uh, and they were no exception, uh, was more about the will and, you know, about action uh, rather than about like, like an, an ideological program in particular. Now, the integralists were interesting among fascist organizations in that they were not particularly anti-Semitic, except in the sense that, you know, the ideology of like saying that your organic whole is being uh, invaded from a materialist, atheist, and, you know, simultaneously capitalist and communist outside force. That's an inherently anti-Semitic ideology, of course. Um, but they weren't particularly anti-Semitic, at least compared to some of the other fascist organizations around at the time, specifically the Nazi party. They were also very interesting in that they were not a particularly racist organization. Brazil, then as now, uh, was arguably a majority black country, although um, the racial categories uh, operative in Brazil at the time would have made that a little bit confusing because uh, they adopted and understood very, very more uh, gradients of, of race and ethnicity than uh, would be familiar probably to most English language listeners, uh, even at the time. Uh, while the leadership of the integralists was pretty much exclusively right, uh, as they would be read uh, both contemporarily and uh, in the past, um, there were local and regional leaders of the integralists who were not white, who were black men. Um, however, they were very much like all other fascist organizations in that their leadership was male. Uh, this is a male-dominated organization like essentially every single fascist organization with very, very, very few exceptions. Now, initially, the integralists were pretty much like all other fascist organizations. They supported conservative leaders. They tried to edge their way into conservative coalitions by being the muscle that other right-wing people used to fight communists. And they did this fairly successfully. They even were able to essentially align themselves with the leadership of um, an important national leader in Brazil, Getulio Vargas, who in the 1930s was a sort of para-fascist dictator type uh, who engaged in the construction of a populist dictatorship in Brazil called the Estado Novo, named after his counterpart in Portugal's new state. However, uh, after Vargas gained power, he started to sideline his erstwhile, complicated, dangerous allies, the integralists, and, you know, several other people who helped him gain power, right? Uh, the Integralists saw that they didn't have anything else to lose, and so in 1938, they staged an attempted coup against Vargas 
in the presidential palace of what was then the capital of Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. This coup is sometimes called the Pajama Putsch because it came in the middle of the night. Uh, this coup was a failure, uh, as were all subsequent attempts by the integralists to get the people of Brazil to rise up against Vargas and against his regime. After this failure, Plinio Salgado went into exile in Portugal uh, for the remainder of the World War II period, essentially, and the integralists were disassembled as an organization. Salgado comes back to Brazil after World War II and, you know, found some other right-wing organizations and has some success as an, you know, just like a different type of conservative politician. The integralists as an organization never really come back in Brazil, but their membership plays an important role in the military governments of Brazil thereafter, specifically former members of the integralist party, you know, of the uh, Brazilian integralist action, this organization, Specifically, their members often joined the military, and a lot of them, a lot of the former leadership of the integralists in Brazil, got pretty high up in the Brazilian military. Uh, they were never the leaders of the military dictatorship, except for like extremely short periods of transition time. Uh, they often found themselves in sort of like second banana or like tertiary positions inside of a lot of these military governments where they had a reputation for being some of the most hardline right-wing conservative forces in the military, uh, trying to move the Brazilian military government away from its relatively moderate position relative to many of the other military dictatorships in Latin America towards a much more hardline position, uh, much like the ones that we would see in countries like Chile or Argentina, where rather than accepting exile for their leftist political opponents, uh, they would advocate for just straight up murdering as many of them as possible. Uh, for more on the Brazilian integralists, I can't uh, recommend enough an extremely good book titled Fascism in Green Shirts, that would be the English translation of the title at least, by Odilon uh, Caldeira Neto and Leandro Pereira Gonçalves, uh, two Brazilian professors who wrote an excellent book. Uh, it's, a, it's an excellent short little book uh, that describes the integralists and their legacy in Brazil. All right. Thanks very much. That was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you would like to listen to this on. And I mean that sincerely. Please leave a review. Please share this thing with people if you think that it's useful. Uh, I think it is. That's why I make it. If you really think it's useful, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism, all one word. You can also reach me on Gmail at 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. That again is spelled out all one word. You can also reach me on Twitter at hist of the right. That's H-I-S-T of the right. I'm also on Twitter at fascism 15. All right. Thanks very much. On Thursday, we'll get back to our regular news roundup where I'll be talking about well, I'll be talking about the right wing in Brazil and its connection to the military dictatorship. All right, talk to you then.